Good morning. I'd like you to uh, welcome you to the fourth Sunday service at our new temple. Uh, my name is uh, Nayaswami Bharat, and this is Nayaswami Anandi. And we especially like to welcome all our guests at the Expanding Light and the Meditation Retreat and everyone that's watching online. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. It's parallel passages of the Gita and uh, the Bible. And our topic for this week is, do you need a guru? <clears throat> Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Many people scoff at the idea of having a guru. True to human nature generally, they, uh, true to human nature generally, they make a virtue of their scoffing. I am responsible for what I do, they announce, responsible for my mistakes as well as for my victories. What would I ever learn if I handed over my development to someone else? To depend on another for guidance would be an act of spiritual cowardice. It would be understandable for someone gifted with some trivial ability, for instance, with words, to insist on doing his crossword puzzle himself without letting anyone else help him. But supposing, even in such trivial matters, he had no such gift, what virtue would there be in refusing to learn? For that matter, moreover, where do our gifts come from? They are not a native ability. Still, crossword puzzles are hardly an important challenge. What if a person wanted to do something daring, to climb a cliff, for instance, but refused to study the art of mountain climbing? He would climb at the risk of his life. And how much more is risk than physical life in the great adventure of the divine search, where the risk is to salvation itself? Where is the sacrifice in seeking guidance? Even a mountain guide wouldn't presume to do one's climbing for one. His purpose would be only to help the neophyte to climb safely. To have a wise guru is not a sign of weakness, but of plain common sense. All the saints, aware as they are of the hazards of the adventure, agree on the importance of having a guide or guru. And these are the heroes speaking, not cowards or spiritual weaklings. Jesus emphasized the importance of having a teacher by asking John to baptize him. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 3, we read of his coming to John. Thus Jesus said to John, It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In the Bhagavad Gita, the fourth chapter, Sri Krishna says, Open thyself to those who have attained wisdom. They will be thy teachers. Ask questions of them, both verbally and mentally. Serve them faithfully and with devotion. How is the devotee to recognize one who has attained wisdom? The Bhagavad Gita gives us an inspiring description of the sage. By this sign he is known being of equal grace to comrades, friends, chance-comers, strangers, lovers, enemies, aliens, and kinsmen, loving all alike 
evil or good. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Too, would like to welcome you. I was thinking this morning, I hope that we never take for granted being able to be together in this beautiful and sacred place. So the question this morning that the reading uh, brings is, do you need a guru? And I think to answer that question, we have to ask first, who is the guru? And second, who are we? Um, so I thought to answer the first question, who is the guru? There's nothing better than the poem that Yogananda wrote in Whispers from Eternity called God's Boatman, where he describes who he is. God's Boatman. I want to ply my boat many times across the gulf after death and return to Earth's shores from my home in space. I want to load my boat with those waiting thirsty ones who have been left behind, that I may carry them to the opalescent pool of iridescent joy, there where my father distributes his all-desire-quenching liquid peace. Oh, I will come back again and again, crossing a million crags of suffering, with bleeding feet I will come, if need be a trillion times, as long as I know that one stray brother is left behind. I want thee, O God, that I may give thee to all. I want salvation, that I may give it to all. Free me then, O Lord, from the bondage of this body, that I may show others how they too can free themselves. I want thine everlasting happiness, but I want also to share it with others, that all my brothers may find the way to happiness forever and forever in thee. Wonderful description. So who is the guru and who are we? One of the best descriptions of this uh, happened in the life of a man named Turiyananda. He was a brother disciple of Swami Kriyananda's when Swamiji lived in Master's Ashram in Southern California. And Turiyananda read the autobiography of a yogi in uh, the mid-50s after Master had died. And he felt very deeply uh, drawn to the book. But he felt that Yogananda had died, and so he had to look for another guru. So he went to a satsang given by a wonderful, great saint named Swami Ramdas from India. And during that uh, satsang, he had a divine experience. And so afterwards, he went to Swami Ramdas and he said, Sir, I want to be your disciple. And Swami Ramdas said to him, no, Yogananda is your guru. And Turiyananda said, but Yogananda is dead. 
And Swami Ramdas said, no, you're dead. <laughs> Swami uh, Yogananda is alive. And what did he mean? What he meant is that we're all on a journey, every one of us. We come back again and again until we realize our oneness with God. And in realizing that oneness with God, we are alive. And that's what Yogananda was. And until we get there, we're really not fully alive. So another beautiful story explains more about who the guru is. This is something that happened to a friend of mine, a friend of many of ours. She uh, grew up on the East Coast, and she graduated from college, got the job that you know was perfect for her, got a home. So she had everything now that everyone had told her was all that she needed, a job, uh, graduation job, home. She had it all, and she was miserable. She felt her life was totally empty. And one night, when she was sleeping, she had a dream. And in this dream, a, a woman came to her. And there was a golden light coming from that woman, and it, it filled her heart. And she felt that all the darkness that was in her heart lifted. And she felt full of joy. And when she woke up, she said, I'm going to dedicate my life to finding the source of that light and that joy. And so she quit her job. She sold everything she had. She started driving across the country. And when she got to Arizona, I mean, she flew across the country anyway. Details, I don't know. But she got to Arizona. She started backpacking toward California. And um, when she got to California, she was feeling like, I really need to find a retreat. She'd been backpacking for quite a while. And she said, I need to get grounded, have a retreat. So she Googled and found a non-meditation retreat. And when she arrived, she walked into the temple at the meditation retreat, and she saw a picture of the woman. But it wasn't a woman. It was Paramahansa Yogananda. <laughs> and she had come home. She realized she found what she was looking for. So the guru is waiting within us. Last, last weekend, I learned something that I really had never known. Most of us here believe in reincarnation. And if we don't believe in reincarnation, that's OK, too, because even those of us who believe in reincarnation don't fully understand it. So just try to sort of tune in to the, the sort of the essence of this, because reincarnation is profound and intricate and way, way beyond the intellect. But the idea of reincarnation, as I said, was basically the soul comes into physical man. The soul is one with God. The soul is one with God. And then sent into physical manifestation. <laughs> OK. <clears throat> sent into physical manifestation. And we believe that. It comes in first as a rock, goes through the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, the animals, then human life, and works its way gradually, 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 until we realize our oneness once again with God. And since there is no time, it all happens 
in an instant, and we never have been separate from God. So that, you can see why we don't want to get too much into this subject. We just want to get the essence of it. <laughs> don't want to use our intellect. Just stick with me and be in your heart and see if you can, you can feel the flow of this. So, um, uh, what Jyotish said last weekend was that the soul is given a guru when it first comes into physical manifestation. In other words, we're granite, we're ruby, we're part of the Grand Canyon. We are, we are sleeping in the form of a rock, and yet our guru is already there with us. Now, obviously, it can't be Paramahansa Yogananda, who lived from 19, uh, 1893 to 1952. But Yogananda said he wasn't really Yogananda. He said, when I come into this body, uh, when I have to incarnate, and I see the personality that I have to take on, my, my life ahead of me, and who I have to appear to be, he said, it feels like a heavy overcoat on a hot day. It's not comfortable, but I get used to it, and so I get into it. So Yogananda is much, much more than the great saint that lived uh, in our time. And so are we. So this soul, I was having this image of, um, a, you know, we, have, we go through the minerals and the plants and the animals and the human life, and I was picturing this guru with a clipboard. Okay, I've got, I've got six disciples who are granite. I have three who are rubies. I have some daisies. I have a redwood tree. I've got some fruit flies. I've got, you know, a dolphin. And it's just like, okay, let's see. The, the granite, I, I don't have to deal with them for like a hundred, several hundred thousand years. I can just not worry about those people who are the minerals. I'll just let them go. Or, you know, the fruit flies, I better be checking in on them like hourly. They could be, re <laughs> they could be ready to reincarnate. But that would not work, obviously. That is not the system. The system is that the guru is within us. Years ago, we had a satsang, a, a celebration for Yogananda, and Swami Kriyananda was supposed to come, but he what, wasn't feeling well, and so Jyotish and Devi led the gathering. And Jyotish said, Swamiji wanted me to give you a message. And he said, remember, this is the message from Swami, remember, the guru is you. So there's never a separation. The guru is within us. The guru is the part of us that is united to God. It is always drawing us in the direction our soul wants to go. And it guides us in so many different ways. And then in a certain point in the process, as happened to my friend when she came to the end of her rope, with her job and her home and her perfect life, which was so empty, when the guru sees that we're ready, he wakes us up and we begin a more conscious relationship. Um, I was thinking, what does this, what's an image for this that's beautiful? And an image came from um, the world of nature. Uh, forest biologists are now getting very, very interested in what happens under the soil between trees. And they're discovering that there's a whole world of trees helping each other underneath the soil, sending nutrients 
Those who have nutrients are sharing it with those who don't. And there's a, a, a unit, uniting uh, quality under the soil that they're calling the wood wide web. <laughs> it's hard to say that. Anyway, so this unity is happening. And um, they say that they find in a forest what they call a mother tree. And the mother tree has saplings everywhere and she's sending nutrients. She's making extra nutrients from her leaves and she's sending nutrients through the soil to all of her saplings and also to all of those that aren't her saplings, to any other trees in need. And it's just going out. Bara told me that they studied a, um, a large aspen tree that was growing next to a little spruce. And the large aspen tree was fully leafed out in the summertime, and it was shading the little spruce. So the little spruce was not able to get sunshine to make food. So the aspen tree was sending its food to the little spruce. And then in the wintertime, the aspen dropped its leaves. So the sunlight, so it was no longer making food. Now the sunlight was going to the little spruce and the little spruce was sending out little food to the aspen tree. The aspen tree, of course, was much larger, had much more to give, but yet the little spruce was giving back. And I just found that so touching and such a beautiful image of the guru because this is not a mental thing. The, the aspen tree is not thinking, I have you know, so many seedlings and here's a little spruce. It's, it's a connecting flow. I have something to give and I can give it to those whoever needs it. And yet that's the guru. And then the little disciple says, well, I don't have that much to give compared to what you're giving me. But what I have, I'm giving back to you. So it's a constant divine flow and, it, it, and it's the nature of life to give. And so the guru, Yogananda is not just giving to us. He's giving to anyone who will receive it. A disciple said to him, Sir, would you bless me that I never leave the spiritual path? And Yogananda said, I give that blessing to everyone. The blessings of the guru go out to all, but those who are on his wavelength, at a certain point when we wake up, we're receiving those blessings and they're guiding us and pulling us forward so how do we tune into those blessings more and more? Because the question, we say the question of this lesson is, you know, do you need a guru? Well, we have a guru, everyone. Whether you even believe in gurus, whether you even believe in God, whether you're a tree or whether you're a fruit fly, you have a guru. So the question is, have we realized that we need a guru? And when we do, um, and, and you don't have to think of it as a person, as a, do I believe in the word God? You don't have to even go into any of that. You have to just realize that inside of you, and I think you already know this, there's a part of you that's longing to be better than you are. That's the guru. There's a part of you that wants to give to others. That's the guru within you, leading you to grow and expand. And so, how do we get on the wavelength of this guru more and more? How do we, 
fulfill our destiny as a disciple and, and take advantage of this guru. Um, last week I had a great blessing. Uh, I taught a, a class for our group of living uh, disciples who are in seclusion at this moment, a wonderful group of people, and we studied a document that Swamiji wrote called The Last Will, Testament, and Legacy of Swami Kriyananda. And if you don't have it and you're interested, I can email it to you. Just let me know afterwards. Um, because Swamiji has written, I don't know, thousands of, given thousands of talks, hundreds of books, so much, so much teaching, so much teaching, so much teaching. And now, at the end of his life, he's looking at what, what is the crux of what I want to tell Ananda to take with it into the future. I'm not going to talk about things like doing Kriya Yoga because they already know that. I've taught them how to do energization. I've taught them how to uh, be devoted. But what, what, is the, what are the challenges that a community will face and how will we move forward? And what he said was so beautiful. He said, basically, our strength comes from our guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, from our line of masters, and the, the existence of Ananda depends on our ability to stay connected to that. And not just to that, but in the way, he said, in the way that I've, the direction I've headed us. He said, I don't want to see people do end runs. I don't want to see people, not exactly sure what an end run is, but I think it means you start in a certain direction and then you head off. Um, and uh, so, anyway, it was just, we, we discussed it. What does this mean? How does this play itself out? Because as a community that's always kind of been squeaking along uh, financially, we've always sought to, what can we do to give to people? And what's popular? What will work? You know, what will people like? And he said, being popular isn't our goal. Um, obviously, we want to look at what people need. We look at what people need and how can Master's teaching serve what they need? Not what do they like and how can we tweak what we do to give them what they like so we'll be popular, but rather, what do we really have to give? And it's not that there aren't amazingly wonderful things happening in the world. There are. There are many things happening out in the world that are very inspiring, other ways of doing yoga, other ways of meditating, other ways of doing music, all the different things that we do. There's great stuff out there. But our ability to continue to draw on the blessings that we feel, we felt, we feel in here, we felt during the 50th, we, we know that they're real and really the, I, Parvati talked so beautifully about this last week. I mean, the fact that Ananda is here is crazy, really. I mean, it's impossible. It's impossible, except for that, that under the, the roots underneath that we can't see, the vibrations that are flowing to us, that we're, we, there's so much part of our life, there's so much part of we, what we take for granted that we can't see them. Um, Swamiji talked about a woman who was in Yogananda's ashram with him, and he said she was a notably radiant person. She just shared light. 
And she met another guru, and he talked about the fact that he could manifest himself on different parts of the world. And I don't know, she sound, it sounded like a really good thing to her. And so she went to Yogananda and said, Sir, I think I found another teacher. And he was very respectful, and he said, All right, I withdraw my ray. And in other words, he was sustaining her. But if she didn't want that, okay, no need, I withdraw that. And Swami said it was sad that she came later, and he said she just looked like a normal person. She, that, that light, that glow had been from Master. So we don't see it. I was picturing like a goldfish in a little bowl. And he's swimming around his little bowl, and it's okay, it's nice, you know, he's doing well. But he's looking outside and he's going, wow, there's some cool stuff out there. There's a couch. I wonder what it's like to be on the couch, you know. There's a, that window. I'd really kind of like to look at the window. There's some neat stuff. I think I'd, I'd like to try it out. And so he hops out of the goldfish bowl and then he discovers, oh my God, there was something keeping me alive that I don't have anymore. And that's what the guru is doing here in the village. He's, he is that wood wide web. He's that underground or uh, chakras or, or spiritual eye, but it's the, he's feeding us. And so we want to stay in alignment with that. And we do that, as I say, partly by just staying in a tune with what he teaches and how he teaches it and, and just drawing on that and, and drawing as much as we can. The other thing that helps us so much is to stay on the, on the, positive, positive, positive direction. Um, the most positive force in, in creation is God, and the guru is one with God. So this alignment with the guru means staying aligned with positivity. So that means anything. <laughs> anything that comes up that, oh, I didn't do a good job on that. Oh, I'll never get anywhere spiritually. Oh, I can't really meditate very well. That's not taking us into attunement with the guru. It's, it's pulling us in the opposite direction. Oh, he's not very nice. Oh, I don't think they're doing their job very well. Oh, whatever. It's taking us out. We just need to just say, okay, yes, there's some negative stuff in me, in the world. I acknowledge it, and I align myself with the positive because that's how I stay connected to my guru and that's where I get the life force that sustains my spiritual life. So in summation, do we need a guru? Well, I leave it up to you. I, I think we do. I think that, that we can't live, even if we don't even believe in God, I think that we can't live without that part of us that says, I want to reach up. I want to be better than I am. I want to give more. I want to align myself with the very best that I can be. The guru, like the mother tree, is not impatient. You know, we flagellate ourselves that we're not doing enough and good enough, etc., etc. And the guru says, no hurry, I know who you are, I know where you're going, and I am here for you to love you and to guide you for as long as it takes. Let's just take a moment and
meditate just for a few moments on this flow of light that's coming to us. Thank you. 